All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Business Blast podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Tyler Wagner. As always, today's sponsor is Authors Unite. And if you want to become a successful author, Authors Unite is the place to go. So head on over to AuthorsUnite.com to check out a free case study that will teach you how to do exactly that. And now, let's jump into the episode. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Authors Unite show. Today, we got Ryan Naris with us. Welcome to the show, man. Tyler, I'm flattered and honored to be here. Dude, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. Um, so kick us off. Tell us a little bit more about you and what you do. Yeah, so I'm just a millennial that was sick of feeling lied to. I was sick of feeling like, hey, if you work hard and you go to good school, then you graduate from college, you get a good job, and then you work hard at that job, and then you'll get promoted, and success will follow. And it's just, dude, it's not true. You know, like, I went to a pretty good school. I work really hard, and I felt stuck at my corporate job. And honestly, I, I didn't necessarily feel like it was really even that safe or stable for various reasons. So it's like, you know, you can get laid off in any second. So in other words, I just got sick of it. And so I decided to start my own company and I had no money. I had no experience and I had no network. And thankfully, because of that, I also had no excuses. So I ended up looking at over a hundred businesses, started a few, they didn't go so well, and then found mobile home parks, which is now what I do full time. And that's what I do. I started this company four years ago and change. We just closed our 10th mobile home park yesterday. It's about 1200 and change pads that we have been a part of. And it, I work for myself. I've achieved time freedom and all the listeners here, I don't have anything to sell. I am literally just here to hopefully help inspire you and, and just kind of give you the tools that you need along with Tyler to, you know, rock and roll. Yeah, man. So this is really exciting. I was telling you before the interview that one of my neighbors in Miami, and again, I don't know exactly what he does. I just know it has to do with mobile home parks. So can you, can you go a little more in detail? Like tell us exactly when you say you closed on your 10th mobile home park, like what, what are you doing? How are you profiting? And like, how does how the business side of it work? Sure. So essentially a mobile home park is a plot of land with modular homes on them right now there's basically two business models you can either own the home and rent it or you can just rent the land so that, that's kind of the democrat versus republican in my industry some folks are all about the rentals some folks are all about the lot rentals and don't care beyond that so me i'm, I'm kind of in the middle i i think that both can be successful but for me, what I do is I acquire a property, so I'll have an ownership stake in it. Now, because I started with no money, I had to get really creative and bring on investors and use and leverage other people's money. And so basically, you buy the property, you fund the property through debt and equity, and then you operate it. So because I started with no money, um, if you kind of look at the three legs of the deal, so to speak, you have, you have to find a willing seller. So in other words, someone's got to agree to sell you their property. You have to basically syndicate the funds or organize the funds, right? So you, in other words, you need bank debt and equity 
or one of the two. Sometimes you can do either or, but if you take a property down cash or you're lucky enough to find a zero down option and then you need to operate it. And all three of those parts of a deal are essential. I mean, you can't find a willing seller and then not give them money, right? And you can't buy a property and then not operate it. So I had no money. What I did was I focused solely on finding good deals and then finding other people's money to use to buy the deals and then operating them. So I pay myself asset management fees, acquisition fees, and then I have promotes based off performance. So in other words, if I hit certain return thresholds, my equity stake is boosted up. So that's basically what I do. The rest of it, my job is rent collection. I am effectively a debt collector. So in other words, yeah, everyone owes say X number of dollars, $300 per month. That just because you have 50 homes paying 300 bucks doesn't mean you just have that sitting in your bank account at the start of each month. You have to actively go and collect on that. So that's a big part of my job too. But yeah, essentially my game is find properties, acquire properties, and find ways to monetize that along the way. Got it. And is there, has there been a lot of problems or is there, or tell, the experience of like collecting rent, is it, has it ever been like a big issue or is it usually pretty easy? Oh yeah. I've had my life threatened. Really? Okay. Tell us that story. That's messed that's, up. That's not, it's not a fast story. That's, that's a long story. I, I, uh, if anybody's interested in hearing this ridiculous story, I have it on my podcast. It's called the death threat, but yeah, it's not easy. And the reason why I talk about it on my podcast in just in general is because I think that if you're going to go buy real estate, you need to understand what your employees are going to be subjected to if you are not going to be the one doing the operations, right? So for me, it was just a bizarre story because this guy uh, who I was evicting because he wasn't paying just basically told another tenant that he was going to show up to the shotgun and kill me and all my employees. And it was really scary because I corroborated the story, got the police involved. The police were like, dude, I, there's no warrant for this guy's arrest. So we can't really get involved here preemptively. Like we can go knock on his door. Yeah. I'm like, what are you do? Hey, are you going to show up tomorrow with a shotgun? Oh, don't do that. I'm going to arrest you. Right. No, that's not going to happen. Right. So, dude, it was just a wild story because what I had to ultimately do was basically be a vigilante. I, I just realized, cause I, I talked to my investor partners and everybody was like, dude, go home, just go home. Just be safe, hop on a plane, get home. And I was like, no, because my employees live on the property. And that's what I do. I live on my properties when I have to, I did it for 14 months to start out every other week. And it's like, I just, man, if, as a leader, I want to lead from the front lines. I want to lead by example. And what does it say about me as a leader if someone says, I'm going to come kill you and all your employees, and the first thing I do is go get a hotel and fly away, right? So I slept on the property that night. I basically realized two things about the situation. Number one, that this guy had nothing to lose. So if I gave him something so his back wasn't completely against the wall, then maybe he would. he, he may still snap but he wouldn't snap on my property at me. And number two, I was the bad guy. So if I could change the way he viewed me as not the bad guy 
and obviously remove his back from the wall, so to speak, all of a sudden, maybe I could handle the situation. And I'm as a former car salesman, I sold cars for four years. My job was basically to take people who thought I was the bad guy, no matter who I was. If I was the Pope, they'd be like, yeah, but you're the Pope selling cars, right? People are still like, oh, you're a scummy car salesman. So in other words, I had four years of experience of people going, Ryan is a scummy guy just because, and then leaving the car dealership with the warm and fuzzy going, wow, I want to buy another car from him. Even if, and even if they didn't buy a car, wow, you know what? I was, I was expecting it to be this whole rigmarole at the car dealership and it ended up being very pleasant. So in other words, I had a lot of experience in confrontational situations, making them de-escalating the conflict, so to speak, and then having someone walk away with the warm and fuzzy. So yeah, I basically implemented that strategy, caught my employees up to speed. They all bought in, which was crazy. At the yeah, time, it was crazy, but they were all hit. They were Hispanics, and what I came to realize is that the Hispanic culture is very much so self-policing, because especially in Mexico, there are a lot of drug dealers and there's a lot of corrupt police and corrupt politicians. So, for a lot of folks in a lot of communities, they're used to handling situations like that. So I made sure I caught them up to speed. They all bought in. They're like, back home, this is essentially what you know what we do. So we hash out a plan. It gets way crazier than that. We don't have time to really delve into it. If you're yeah. curious, crazy story, go listen to the episode on my podcast. But yeah, that's the type of stuff that you deal with. Now, that's rare. Usually it's just people thinking you're a bad guy for them not paying rent, which I know sounds ridiculous, but there are people that are effectively professional beggars. And it's really, really sad, not because these people are in bad spots, but because you have to get tough on them, meaning the good people that are truly in bad spots that you could actually help by saying you can have another week without a late fee. Those people get burned because of a handful of bad people. So yeah, it's, it's a real skill understanding who is for real, who is pulling your leg, who's a professional beggar and who's, who is someone you could really help. Got it. Yeah. No, well, th thanks for at least telling us a little bit. And yeah, for anybody that wants to hear the rest of the story, I know I do <laughs> um, go to the, uh, go to his podcast. Um, so, so my question is this, like, cause I, I'm trying to even understand, and obviously I heard what you said earlier, but I feel like with real estate, like, it's just, it's so much about like, there's just so many little like number maneuverings or whatever that you can do to like make things work. So it's just really, uh, and again, without asking you, like, I'm not asking you like what your income is or anything, but like how much maybe could one expect to make off a property? Like every pro you know, every property is different, but with what you're doing with mobile home, like, is it, um, have you ever had like a big loss or like, are all of them profitable? Like can you dive more into like those numbers and like how it's, how it's. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So first and foremost, in corporate America with an MBA, I, was, I wasn't I was even making a hundred grand. I was making kind of close to it. And I just realized I was stuck. And so what I had to do was basically take a big sacrifice on the amount of money that I had coming in. And I realized the way I could get full time is if I did something no one else wanted to do. And no one else wanted to be a property manager. So on one of the properties that I bought, I just made myself the property manager and paid myself that salary, which was $35,000 a year. To this day, 
I still pay myself $35,000 a year. Every penny I make above that, I reinvest right in my company. And the reason being is because to go full time, what I had to do was make a major sacrifice. I had to stop spending on things. I had to change my lifestyle up. And what I've found is that there were a lot of things I was spending on my money on that just wasn't making me actually truly happy. So why increase my pay if I'm comfortable making 35? Why go out and buy a new car now that I make a whole bunch more? I haven't. So I've stuck with that 35. Now, in terms of how much you make, yes, it does depend per deal. And there's a bunch of different ways you can slice it. So you can do front-end promotes, meaning acquisition fees, or, hey, I'm going to operate this to boost my equity percentage from 25 to 35. Or back-end promotes where you're like, I'll put up 25% of the capital, but when I return all your capital plus, you know, whatever incentive, then my equity gets boosted from say 25 to 50. So in other words, there's a bunch of different ways that you can manipulate the numbers for a bunch of different reasons. You know, is it a heavy turnaround? Is it a more stable deal? Is it far from home? Is it close to home? Is it big? Is it small? Is it easy to finance? Is it hard to finance? Is it sell or carry? So there's a bunch of factors that go into it, but at the end of the day, it is a palette for you to go and paint your own dream and your own picture. And for me, I mean, look, it, it's for me, is it lucrative? Yeah, you can make a lot of money doing what I'm doing. And the reason being is because I know this industry better than folks that have been in it longer than I have because those folks are so busy on the acquisition side that they've never actually really spent a significant amount of time operating a mobile home park. So because I truly understand it because I've lived it, like literally lived in a mobile home. Yeah. It's, it's so much easier for me to underwrite and see deals others aren't seeing because I, I just know how to run things. And the same applies for, for compensation and what I can basically negotiate with my, potential investors because they trust me because I've done it. Yeah. So that was actually really enlightening for me to hear what you just said about, cause that's, that's what I think scares a lot of people away from anything real estate related is that it just seems like there's so much stuff that there's like no way to like figure it all out. But it's just like, may, maybe it is kind of like there's, you know, every deal's different, right? Like maybe, and, and obviously the more you do, the more you kind of realize some patterns and stuff, just like with anything. But it's kind of cool to hear that it's like, listen, you want to buy a mobile home park, let's say, then, and you got some investors, like you paint the canvas. Like you guys, I'm, I'm assuming you guys sit down and, you know, you, you create a, a plan. And if it makes sense for everybody, you do it. And there's probably a lot of negotiation, changing things. And then once it's, you know, once everybody's good, then you move forward. But it's not like this one set necessarily structure. It's very customizable. Is that, that's, am I understanding that right? Absolutely. And that's the fun part about real estate is as you start to understand it more and you start to see things over and over again, you can then, it's, it's your way to be creative with math and with persuasion and negotiation. So that's, that's something that I know that folks are just absolutely in love with in terms of the acquisition side. And I understand it. It's, it's really fun to, to close a deal. Like yesterday was a wild ride closing that deal. And I get it, but it's not done after you close, right? So for, I say that for two reasons. Number one, because just because you bought it, unless you found arbitrage, you're not making money just because you bought something, right? 
And number two, if you operate it, you truly understand the operations, you can get so much more creative with your promotes that you negotiate with your investors. And for those who are listening in going, oh my gosh, this is like totally way too much and way over my head. I trust me. It is a lot simpler than you think. Go out there and talk to anybody who is willing to talk to you because a lot of folks have a lot of different structures and a lot of different things going on and, and understanding what the market is and what people are willing to pay from an investor standpoint for various in, investments in real estate properties. More of those you can look at, more of them you'll see and understand. And trust me, it, waterfall, uh, waterfall structures can get really complicated, but a basic split is really, really basic. So trust me, it is not nearly as intimidating as I might be making it out to be. No, I love it, man. Well, listen, dude, th thank you. This was really, really cool. And maybe sometime yeah. in the future we can have you on uh, even longer and like get real, real deep into it. But I think yeah. um, this, I learned a lot. And I think, you know, for our audience, this is cool. Um, so, so tell us this, uh, two things, one best place to connect with you, like website, social media, and then, uh, tell us the name of the podcast again, because I think, you know, some people definitely want to be learning more about it. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Ryan Naris. It's N-A-R-U-S-N like Nancy can Google me. It's probably the easiest way to, to find me N-A-R-U-S. I am very active on LinkedIn and I'm an open door I will connect with about anybody on it, or you can follow me either way. I put out videos, like 90-second videos, where I walk through various things in my industry, the mobile home park industry. I've got a blog on my website, which is archimedesgrp.com, or again, just Google me. It's the first thing that shows up. And my, my podcast is called MHP IRL, which stands for Mobile Home Parks in Real Life. And let me stress the in real life part. There's a lot of hype in my industry, which is completely unfounded. I talk about stuff like that story about how someone threatened my life. I talk about stuff like, hey, you have no money and no experience and no idea what the heck you're doing. So I was in the same spot. Here's, I, here's how I got through it. So again, I don't have anything to sell. I am genuinely speaking, interested in helping people. Reach out to me. I don't care if you're a janitor or a CEO or anything in between or if you'll never buy real estate, I genuinely speaking love talking to people. Find me on LinkedIn, find my website, shoot me an email, let's connect. I would love to help you in any way I could. Love it, man. Dude, we're very we're very similar in that way. So again- hey, what do you think I reached out to you, man? Yeah, <laughs> I love it, man. Dude, thank you again. I really, really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah.